patient in IMS. Hmm? And now she is the first of the second generation. And she is uh, supporting and working in Spirit Rock. I don't know whether you are the right hand there or the left one or both. By that I want to say, and also called your attention to it, to this, she is a very seasoned uh, teacher now, supporter or, and volunteer worker in, uh, in support of the administration even, huh? in, in Spirit Rock. And uh, so now she is here for this retreat uh, for safety, for several reasons, and also for the benefit of you. When we are two together, you have more ways to have personal interviews and greater space for um, kind of uh, checking up with the teachers that what you need to check up. And here is um, Julie Wester. Yeah, yeah, here, just turn it. This is a different design. Okay. So, <laughs> well, we didn't actually plan this part, but I just want to say I'm, I'm uh, getting used to this. That's <laughs> fine. Okay. It's good. Uh, yeah. Well, really, Ruth said everything I was going to say, except that... Um, um, Ruth has been teaching alone for 30 years, more than 30 years, and she really doesn't need any help. Uh, but I'm. <laughs> she's been saying for 30 years that she didn't need any help. So I'm only here um, and to honor and celebrate her 85th birthday. And. Um, the main way in which I will be supporting you is in the small group meetings. We'll have an opportunity for everyone to have a small group meeting of 10, 10 or less people over the next couple of days so that um, even though we're in a large group, we'll have these more intimate opportunities for you to ask questions about the meditation, about uh, whatever comes to you in the next couple of days. So those uh, small group meetings will be announced in the morning on the bulletin board. The managers will post the lists, and then you'll, you'll um, have that opportunity. So that will be my main uh, support. Uh, also, I just want you to know that I'm here to, if something comes up that you would need to consult, I'm available. That's it. I wanted to say one thing. For those of you who are new to working with Ruth, I was thinking, what could I say to, um, to introduce this um, master teacher? And here's my advice to you. It's from a calligraphy, which is on the top of the hall, and about two minutes ago I decided this is what I'll say. Uh, this is in Ruth's spirit. It's all so spontaneous with Ruth. So I spontaneously wrote this down two minutes ago. 
it says on the wall, on the Zen calligraphy, try not to expect anything. And in this way, everything will open up to you. That also comes from it. So then let us go to the next. No, not so close. Move it away. You saw. That's enough. That is a very good equipment. It picks it up far away. Um, the next one. I like to call your attention to all the energies which have helped us and have helped you to come here. Your arrangement. Yeah. Uh, all the things you had to arrange, to rearrange, and to set into that uh, direction and into that place that availed us being here. It is a very special privilege for all of us to be here and uh, uh, to dedicate time that is exclusively dedicated and uh, um, for for, for for my life on a very deep, deep level. Somehow, <clears throat> that is the meaning <clears throat> of Vipassana. Coming to know my life on a very, very deep level. That means also <clears throat> that we are um, not functioning on those levels. We may not acknowledge that directly, we only know that it is uncomfortable and not everything is apple pie. And most of it is totally different than I had planned. And it goes always against my grains, my expectations or my, my, my way, the ways in which I imagined it. Hmm? So that brought us here. Without really understanding, it takes for for it takes a really long time till we go through all the layers of our conditioning, and from the superficial level of living, light level, I say superficial, and all, all which comes also at the same time from ignoring somehow the essence in us. Hmm? Now he's in in. So um, coming to a retreat like that is not just a privilege. I think it's a very precious event. And uh, um, in that, that it is inviting us into a different mode of life, into the yogi life. You know, yogi, yoga comes from yoga practice. Yogi is that one who practices yoga. It's not just uh, raising your arms or lifting your foot, no. It is uh, uh, coming to understand or connecting to the ground of your being. And that sounds already deeper than we are living. So that is what we are entering when we come to a retreat like that. And we learn here, number one, uh, to see ourselves with greater clarity. We learn to create a greater calm 
initially. But actually, as I, since I find myself over 30 years in it, I, it seems like this greater calm is still a, a very good guideline and a reminder. It seems uh, it has some eternity with us. So, um, so with greater clarity, uh, do we um, uh, come here to review ourselves, to live uh, in relationship uh, to, to us with greater clarity, that means with better understanding. Understanding, right understanding, is a great, great feature in the Buddha's teaching. You uh, should have started right away saying, then when you come to a, this event, Vipassana, it means that we have an ultimate teacher here, and that is the Buddha, is not relating to an individual, it's relating to a mind that can awaken to its capacities, to its, to its truths, and that is also that potential we also have here. So, um, and um, the fact that we are, have, have to come here to such event <clears throat> is that uh, we are not really uh, in our lives um, adjusted or fluid enough to be open for what is available for us and to explore something beyond my um, my habitual ways of living. Hmm? When we, and that is what is happening with, when we are going uh, into a place like that, when we are entering the realm of a training uh, that uh, uh, promises us uh, to come to, the, to, to greater clarity of what? Of my mind of me, of my life. Hmm? So, and uh, seeing this ourselves so closely initially, uh, this, uh, this uh, way of life, or this training that we accept coming to initially to quiet, it's a very amazing, beautiful thing it was for me when I realized that the mind which lives for me and as me is trainable. I can go another route. I can bring it and shift it to that, that clarity which we need. So that is the essence, in a way, of Vipassana meditation. That meditation is a, a training of the mind, a cultivation of the mind. It's an awareness meditation. It's, it teaches us to be in the present moment, to notice, to live in this present moment for a very special reason. It teaches us to be aware, um, uh, aware of that what is acting here and experiencing here in my living process, in this very moment. I cannot otherwise... <clears throat> In, in any other time, really be able to look at myself and to experience myself directly. 
I can do it via thoughts and images and remembering, but not directly be facing. This is a land of facing ourselves. Straightforward. So, um, So it teaches us here our meditation, our awareness meditation, to observe and to be alert and uh, attentive to everything that comes along here. What is happening here in us? And what is happening here? There's nothing else happening than our experiences. And they express themselves through different avenues or venues. We call them sense doors. And then they come as experiences uh, such as seeing or hearing or tasting or um, uh, uh, smelling, touching, and thinking. That is what is here. And this is what arises or comes up every minute. We are never without these experiences. And that has to be noted now and has to be recognized and, and paid attention to. It's kind of an honoring, process of honoring yourself instead of, um, uh, we, and we need it. There is a tendency among us human beings uh, to forget this aspect, to appreciate our being. And um, that is honoring it, recognizing it, and taking, uh, taking notice of it. That is a very wonderful, almost unperceivable, simple thing that by noticing these different things by which we live, which are our experiences, by paying attention to them, that they have the capacity finally to bring us into that realm that we don't know what it is, but we all carry a deep longing for it. And we know it isn't there, but we don't know where it is. Then great masters have told us it's within you. Where is that within you see, we become very accurate here, very precise in the form, in the way we are going about now to look at ourselves. Uh, so um, take a moment and realize this living process you are that is sitting here with six sense experiences. You may just kind of quickly move through with your mind, sweep through ears, nose, eyes, tongue. They are all these thinking, the thinking mind, the the mentality. Um, uh, All these things give us the experiences. Let us as a human being experience. And now comes, that is a real transformation in our style of life now, we just invite ourselves or we collect ourselves to this command to notice this living process 
the Buddha speaks, uh, says, uh, uh, no, the Buddha uh, is the one, I said, our original teacher, but it is actually referring to the awakened mind. And um, so when that uh, awakened mind makes, uh, tells us, um, or when we look at it and see what it asks us to de- do, part of it is what I already mentioned, noticing our experiencing, our experiencing structure f- at a t- one at a time. And to what is is the is the awakened one t- is pointing now? What is the teaching of the Buddha? It's nothing else but telling us a kind of universal truth. It's a statement. It's not teaching us this Buddha, this enlightened being. It is a, a statement of universal truth. You have that same equipment. You have the same uh, uh, ways of living and expressing yourself. You have also the faculty to notice it. And why to notice? Because of that great secret that we can undo if we practice deeply, noticing again and again on all these different levels. We cultivate a mind that sees very clearly, is refined and sensitive, and it, um, it comes back to, it, it, it reverts now uh, to a capacity, to the ability to see right away clearly what is meant by that statement. The Buddha's teaching is a um, statement of uh, universal truth. And we, it is understood when we realize why this has to be done, well, to lift us out of the de- basic dissatisfaction of life. We call it dura. And that is the 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 working, our whole activity, our whole doing or non-doing on one level. What is happening now in a retreat like that and that we can also, if we are careful and can remind ourselves enough, can take it home and, uh, and uh, let it function in our day-to-day life. Because that what we do here is also happening when we are cooking our supper, when we are driving the car, when we are cradling our grandchildren or children, or when we are in our professional booth. All that is taking place. It is hearing, it is seeing, it is tasting when we take our, our luncheon. It is uh, touching whatever, in whatever way we can perceive our body as a touch experience. All what we need to do, and we can do it whilst we are standing and maybe uh, 
what, wherever we found, find ourselves and can need just to recollect ourselves. Remember that there is this possibility for me right now to notice that I'm standing, that there is a sensation, there is a touch of my life, there where my feet are touching the floor. That's why um, Gurdjieff called Gurdjieff, who co- uh, gave the name for this practice. He didn't have that Buddhist concept. Um, uh, recollection, the practice of recollecting, and that is our malady, says the Buddha. The only sickness we have is our forgetfulness and our turning automatically away from this living process, unknowingly, in that inner striving, in order to gratify that that subtle longing, or this setting satisfying that that uh, what comes somehow through our mind space, it's not enough. I, I, I I'm not happy. So you just may not even talk about it but you now know, and it has different features, very gross ones and very subtle ones. Restlessness, from restlessness, from subtle unease to a gross uh, um, a depression and uh, um, separation. So that is now, in in short, an, a little review of wh- why we are here, what is happening, and what we can do. Now to notice our process, our experiencing structure here, right away as a whole thing, it's, it's impossible. There is the mind it's like our, to which we can re- refer as a monkey mind jumping from one experience to the other and responding and reacting and evaluating and resenting and so on and feeling attracted to all these experiences. And there is no one who can give a stop to anything, of, to anything, except there is this faculty in us which we have to cultivate. That is the cultivation of the mind or cultivating, um, cultivating mindfulness, or sati. Sati is a Pali word for it, scripture word. And uh, it is um, uh, referring to emptiness. So we are reducing this mind to emptiness, but you know what is emptiness? We empty it from its interfering uh, mental uh, uh, states and interfering uh, aspects. When we want to notice with the best intention to pay attention to my seeing, to realize not what I see, but that I see, consciousness sees, and I realize it. Just to recollect yourself in the middle of admiring the tulips you hold in your hand. You say, ah, no, what I shall 
what the object for my attention is, is the experience itself, not what I experience. So then their mind can now, is being stopped, and that is a translation of the, of the, of the word mindfulness. It is a translation of sati, I said it means empty, but it also means stopping, stopping the mind from interfering. And in that way, I can uh, I can f- kind of freely use the advice of my teacher. He referred to the process of purification. He was so direct, and when I wasn't doing it right, and he felt I resist, it's part of the impurity, resisting, not wanting, because I had a good training before I came to to my teacher in Burma, um, for that w- which acted as a nice um, pre- preparation. I had what we co- what was um, of a teacher from the school in in, in New York, Charlotte Selva, uh, practice and uh, taught me uh, being aware of the senses. So anyway, so he. Um, so that, and I felt well. I I already know all that, and why should I come to pay attention to my breath and to my sensations? I came here for enlightenment, which I didn't understand what it was. But my husband was a, a nine-year ordained monk in the Advaita uh, line, and uh, he had friends, monk friends, and they talked about nothing except always enlightenment and how to get. To get there, so I listened here and then whilst I cooked dinner for them, and would, uh, um, oh yeah, I like enlightenment too. It sounded good, enlightenment, <laughs> hmm? and I don't didn't know that I somehow had already some roots and some seed in me for it. You see, it was a wonderful, wonderful discovery, but I didn't relate in that way to my practice in Burma with my teacher, so he felt that, and he took me there straight forward. He looked into my eyes and tells me how bad I am. When I started doing this, it was for me a revelation. I thought I was a good girl. And he tells me, I don't talk to you. I talk to your evil forces. Now take that. I thought, well, if that is enlightenment, I want to go. But that is just a matter of semantics. The evil forces, for him that was the, the hindering forces, for, uh, for which we have, that is the resentment, that is the fear, that is the depression, that is our anxiety, that is our, uh, 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 well, whatever, our anger, our preference, all of that, name it, <clears throat> our usual habitual ways of communicating and thinking. And um, now, in order to get rid of, to, to get into a balance there, 
and come to the subtlety of this mind that is able to penetrate through all these layers of conditioning, of misunderstanding, of having wrong understanding, wrong views about myself and others. Um, that is fine work, cultivation of the mind, uh, training this mind that is in all direction, bouncing forward, backwards, expressing it in all these different ways, hindering my enlightenment, my, my opening up to the originality of my being, where it is quiet, where it's balanced, where it is awake, where it understands, where it bows more instead of complaining. I think I should stop now. I see my time. I promise to be in time. I hope I got you a little touch. What we are doing, of course, you all knew it already to some extent because many of you are seasoned and old students. And maybe you have learned right now we cannot hasten it. We cannot force it. We have to have patience. We have to repeat it again and again. We have to integrate this new knowing, this new discoveries, that there is a possibility, there is a mind here, a faculty in us, which is able to understand it right away. And that takes away our dukkha, our discomfort, our dissatisfaction, our restlessness, our uncertainties. That's why we are here. Vipassana has two, 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 two syllables. Vi means clear, means seeing. And pasana means clear, clarity. One is seeing and the other is seeing clearly. That's it. So we are little fakes all the way we are living. Or not quite true. Yeah, when you live what is not true and you believe it is true, it's dangerous. Then misunderstandings, not to say ignorance, not understanding, misunderstandings works with misunderstanding to come to a clarity, to come to satisfy this. What is missing? That's not where it is available for us. Through thinking, through arguing, through, uh, from any other source, we cannot take it. We have to take it in this mind, to bring it to a quiet, to make it, to, to, to cultivate to that it, to cultivate it to that state, it is able to go into it and see in every experience what is true. And then you know for sure who you are. Then we can say we are acting from the, from the level of truth. And when we have that, 
that what is our action and communication and interaction will have that harmony and balance which the world nowadays is in greatest need for. To see your practice not for yourself only, but for the world that needs you. And you benefit for it. Thank you, Radha Sufa. So I have a program, so I must see what is next. We have seven minutes, so now to initiate, I like to do that in a formal way, um, to initiate this uh, practice, I invite you to the, um, to the um, formality of taking refuge. That means refuge, I take in something what is safe. So you take refuge now in the practice we are entering. We, you know, we entrust ourselves to it. We take refuge in all those who feel good and acknowledge all those who help us along. The Sangha hmm, is a safe place. Have you noticed the communication with your sons, Dharma moms, with your Dharma sisters and Dharma brothers is easier than with others? There's a greater ease in it, hmm? more fluidity in us. So, um, so then you, you are asked to kind of do that for yourself. It's a kind of commitment. It's a ritual. You know what rituals mean? So bad we don't like them anymore. But I think we Vipassana uh, uh, meditators begin to do, appreciate it. For me, it means it is creating... Uh, um, sacred space in me. I take refuge, I acknowledge that I am um, I am accepting the teachings of the Buddha, the whole process to it, and uh, understand that it is within me, the seat of it. So um, I take refuge in the Buddha, and I take refuge in the Dharma, that is the teaching. The Buddha is more taking refuge in that what is true, gives us a safe, safe feeling. It's a kind of uh, letting go what I'm holding here. I'm opening that sacred space now in which I dedicate myself to further practice. Then um, I take refuge, it's in the Dharma that is the teachings, that is um, the path to freedom from suffering, from this, uh, from uh, confusion, from discomfort. It means also it uh, is uh, taking refuge, accepting the um, qualities of the enlightened mind. I take refuge in the Buddha, refuge in the Dharma, the teaching, refuge in the Sangha, all those who practice with me. I, um, and I um, let us commit ourselves to it. Notice 
that you are sitting. Notice that you are willing to do that. And uh, we have to speak it three times. And for that reason, that is part of the old teaching method to repeat and to repeat, to repeat, so that we can, in that repetition, uh, experience a deeper integration of what we are saying. It is a visceral process here. Viscerally are we taking it. Wonderful. Is it who? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so then um, notice that you are ready for it. And you have no anxiety for it. You really trust. And from what you take that trust now, right now, from what you know about your Dharma so far, you have it had often confirmed. And you could often realize that safety, that safe feeling, that sacred space in you when you thought of the time of of the teachings, how it helps us. Um, uh, when you thought of the Sangha, which supports us, our practice, and when you realized all the qualities of the enlightened mind, the absolute freedom of, of, of um, anxiety and fear and... and um, and so on. So I please take your if you like, you can take your hands and join them. It's also a sacred mudra or gesture. I take refuge in the Buddha, the one who shows me the way in this life. You repeat it silently for yourself. Let it move through and float through your consciousness and acceptance. I take refuge in the Sangha, in the Dharma, the way of understanding and love. Feel that. Feel that what you have awakened already. Know that uh, understanding, right understanding, is, is, is a way of freedom. It frees me from the misunderstanding and the darkness. I take refuge of the, in the Sangha, the community that practices with me, community of mindful harmony. For the second time, I take refuge in the Buddha, the one who shows me the way in this life. Sense it, let it breeze, be breezing, breeze with it, with it, and uh, feel that, what arises out of that feeling. I take refuge for the second time in the Sangha, the community of mindful harmony. For the third time, I take refuge in the Buddha, the one who take, shows me the way in this life. For the third time, I take refuge 
in the Dharma. The way of understanding and love. For the third time, I take refuge in the Sangha, the community of mindful harmony. With this goes the ritual or the commit, recommitment to five precepts, because that is part of the practice that consists of, of these three of of three aspects. One is ethics, the other one is the practice, the spiritual practice, and the other one is the waking up to wisdom. So, I commit myself to these five precepts. You also just allow yourself to receive it in your, in, your, in your space, in your heart, and notice that sensation, that feeling. It radiates, coming from you the way and the degree you understand the wide range or the small range of these precepts, of the ethics. It's a certain discipline. So, I take... Um, I commit myself or recommit myself to the first precept, abstaining from taking life and violence. I offer friendliness and compassion to life as my training. Number two, I recommit myself to the training of um, taking what is not mine, what is not given. In my training foremost, I offer generosity and the sense of sharing instead of giving, of taking, not that what is not given. Number three, I commit myself to the training of... um, abstaining from sexual misconduct. That's a wide field. We know, however, to some extent, it brings much grief, great dukkha, when we are not sensitive and caring in our realm and experiences of intimacy. Number four, I come recommit myself to the training of right speech, of not abusing and misusing my speech, and to the truth of my speech, to the degree I can handle it. So I offer in my training gentle speech, concerned speech, um, speech that is... um, providing and helping along harmony and balance and better communication, friendly communication and truthfulness. Number five, I recommit, we recommit ourselves to um, becoming, to abstain from 
kind of insensitivity toward all that what we ingest on mental level and physical level. And uh, it is sometimes very precisely uh, leading to the intake of drugs and alcohols to those elements that confuse our minds and hinder clear seeing or the evolution of clear understanding. So, my dear Dharma friends, maybe as a result of our efforts, continue our practice um, and seeing this as our base that protects our commitment to the five precepts, that protects us from gross expression of our of our life and uh, act, action and living activities. And you know we can use a lot more of that. It should be a nat- national ritual that should be repeated again and again. That is already, if it is again and again, sinking deeper in, into young hearts, old hearts, and so on. And we have a revolution, the right one, a friendly revolution, not like the politicals are or others. Mm-hmm. So that much with this part of my evening, uh, it, it is time. Um, we have a few minutes. I promised somehow quarter past to stop, and I am now late. We have a few minutes left for half past. If you uh, want to close now with a little meditation, we may invite ourselves to the stillness of our sitting right now. Can you still sit? Can you still hold up? Do you want to just do this? Silent. And more. And more. Come down with one. Bring it to your lap. Come down with the other. Once again. And to this side. And to this one. And now make the swimming motion indicating your way of life. Swimming. Swimming through all these hindrances. All these uh, uh, um, things which are in the way for waking up to the beauty of our being. Let us now make a little sacred space in our heart, which may be already there, and uh, find yourself, your life right now, in your awareness, in your loving, caring attention, and in your willingness to 
to, to do this practice of awakening, find yourself. Find yourself the sound. Find your, that is your experience. You have your eyes open, I see. Find your sight. Your eyes, seeing. Find your hands resting in your lap. That is feeling. That is touch. Find the frequency of your, the fresh air here. It is. Find that instrument, that experience that gives you the taste, but you can taste even your saliva. That is finding yourself. Find your mind and let it float in your loving, caring, non-reacting, non-thinking awareness, sati. So you know it is happening. Recognize that thing which is able to receive yourself without thinking on the level of touch. Now I go again. The touch. Your body resting on the pillow. Find your thinking, what you feel in your mind, in your emotion. Find it in your awareness. That means in your caring attention. Now, see whether you can understand you are doing it. Find the stillness of the room. Nothing to do is in this practice except keeping alert and letting yourself breathe. And the breathing brings about a lot of touch experiences. You feel the breeze, the breath flowing through your nostrils. You may feel the breath lifting your chest. You may feel your breath in the motion in your abdomen. Now with this, two minutes sitting. And don't forget to recognize that what is able to watch, which is mindfulness. Two minutes, one is over. Mm. And feel that sacred space in that what observes and in that mind that receives the experiences now of breathing.
did you like it? All right, when you have good mood, I have still a thing to share with you. It's not quite an finished, and that is what we forgot. We could have done it in the beginning, and it will awaken you. You will see. Have you noticed that we are in a very a kind of a reconstructed, altered, a new meditation hall? Who has seen this not yet before? A few. Oh, yeah. Who remembers the old one? Mm -hmm. Have you noticed how you received that, how the old one came in and you liked it better? (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) That's right. I know your mind. Mm -hmm. So, but still, it has happened. And when you really look again, when you when nobody is in, or even as we are in, if you would stand where I stand and look, the kind of still simplicity, simp, simplicity in that elegance, or the elegance in an enormous simplicity. Hmm? I, I I had to I I cried when I saw that, and um, so can you. It didn't come, it didn't fall from heaven. It was involved in a process of lots of labor to provide that. The whole uh, staff, uh, not that they did it, but everyone was involved here. And also many, I don't know how it happened, whether they had it closed whilst it was happening. It's also already two years existing, so it isn't that very new. Now, to make it short, I want us all to kind of realize the process and the beauty of it, and that we have the very special kind of um, created something like churches, you know, it's like a, it's a it's a home for the Buddha mind. Huh? It's more so. I remember now when we started, they were sitting on their socks, and on their pants, or shoes. Now look how elegant everything is. That deserves an appreciation. I invite you. And somehow it came to me, and uh, I asked, thought we must make a chant. And uh, Jane and I were sitting and uh, creating maybe the right uh, words to it, and we had a little bit of a wonderful interplay with that. We are now giving thanks for our renewed Dharma Hall. Can you make a chant of that? May it. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.